Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Exploring Health at Every Size. Today, we are joined by Boopy Dule. Boopy wears many hats. She is a professor, clinical counselor, supervisor, and consultant. So listen along to learn more about her take on health at every size and intersectionality. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, welcome, Boopy. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm kind of excited and nervous. I think we kind of spoke <laughs> about that a little bit, but I think that's normal. Yes, yes. Even though this is kind of my third chat, I'm still having like first chat nerves, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm wondering just to get the ball rolling here, if you could give us like a, just a little introduction of yourself and um, just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are. Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, I usually like to start with um, the pieces that I feel like are relevant in in relation to this topic too, mm-hmm. but also just to kind of get to know me a little bit more around some of my identities that are important mm-hmm. to me and impact um, my work and my life and all of those things. So um, just to start with what I would probably name is that my people are from India and I was born and raised in so-called Surrey, which is the Samyamu, Katsi, Coquitlam, Portland, Kite, and Tawasin First Nations unceded territories. Um, I am a settler. Uh, that's an important piece for me to acknowledge as well. Um, and currently we're doing this podcast um, from my home. Uh, where I live, and um, which is on um, the Coquitlam, Kakite, and Tsleil-Waututh Tw- Nations, which is um, also unceded territories and is in so-called Coquitlam. I also identify as a cis, non-disabled, currently middle-class, small, fat woman. Um, and so obviously the latter part is a huge part of what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are part of my identities that really, I think, intersect and kind of name, shape the experiences that I've had. Um, but also demonstrate the spaces that I have no lived experiences of. I think when we're when I'm thinking about this topic in particular, I think about um, one of the first people who taught me a little bit more about fat oppression. And um, this is Anna Sewell from the Fat Panic organization in um, so-called Vancouver. And um, when they came and presented, it it really named a whole bunch of things that um, I felt throughout my life and never really had the words or the language for, even though I was in a lot of spaces speaking about justice doing and, um, you know, anti-oppression, the stuff was very silent and wasn't spoken about. And so it was quite eye-opening and um, liberatory to just even name this. So I just mm-hmm. want to name that piece um, for myself because I think that that matters to me. And I guess like we often talk about what do we do professionally in these spaces. (laughs) And I think one of the things that I also think about is um, family is important to me. And I do have a lot of nibblings in my life. And I think about how some of these systems impact them in their intersecting identities and how hopefully I can create some space to have some of these conversations and not replicate some things that happened that happened in relationships too. professionally. I'm a therapist, a supervisor. And a professor, and um, that's kind of how you and I know each other a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'll just kind of leave it at that. I also don't like talking about myself too much, so <laughs> <laughs> feel free to ask questions if, if you have any more questions too. Okay, thank you so much. I did want to note that yes, I was really interested to have this conversation with you because you were my professor for a multiculturalism class, and um, 
you were kind of just speaking about how you kind of first came to learn about sizeism and the oppression of size and and weight. And I guess my kind of knowledge was that was actually first through your class when we kind of talked about that. Um, and we briefly did, but I was that kind of I think started my journey about learning more of this, especially in continuing that like through my practicum. Another piece I wanted to mention, and I was thinking as you were saying that, how you were talking about how it's, you kind of have felt like it's an, an invisible thing. And then that kind of opened your eyes to it. I was actually kind of just noticing in a school setting twice within one of my other classes. And then within a workshop that we had about, you know, intersectionality and inclusivity. And again, in my class talking about oppression and different forms of that size and sizeism were not mentioned in either of those spaces. So I kind of noted that in my head and I was like, wow, that, that is so interesting that it does really feel still so invisible. So maybe this can be a first jumping point to talking about sizeism and health at every size and kind of how they connect. I think um, one of the things that come, kind of stand out to me around that is when we talk about sizeism and health at every size, we're typically talking about everything on the spectrum. And in particular with sizeism, what, we, what I usually am talking about is anti-fat rhetoric, values, beliefs, violence, um, systems that support that. So really fat oppression. So I've started to change my language around that. Maybe it's correct, maybe it's not. Um, but one of the things that I think about is, is that Hayes, I think, does a pretty good job of looking at some values and ethics that are related to challenging fat oppression. And then there's some spaces, perhaps, um, and, and they also acknowledge it too, that they need to continue doing learning and work. And I think that's normal for anything that we're talking about. But one of the things that I'm thinking about is, is anything, like as Annie DeFranco said, like anything can be used as a weapon if you know how to use it, something of that sort. I'm probably, mm -hmm. you know, misquoting. So I think about like the concepts of health and the concepts of what it means to be a fat person is very much related right like they're they're not separate and there are some parts of it that are separate of course but there's ideas of what healthy means and we need to really deconstruct that there's ideas of what it means to do movement and eat that are very much ingrained with fat oppression and fat violence that we need to deconstruct that um even the word like choosing to use movement versus physical activity doesn't really take away from some of that either Mm. Or instead of choose, talking about food versus dieting, it doesn't really, it, we just change the language. We're using the same types of tools or ways of addressing that, or even thinking that's important to address in mm. the first place too. So those are kinds of the things that I think about. And also these binaries that start to exist in this work. So, you know, um, you're healthy or you're unhealthy. Um, I joke around with this, but I also not don't. You know, these ideas of good fatty versus bad fatty, you know, um, we don't care what size you are as long as you're a good fatty, you know, mm -hmm. you do all the things that you need to be doing to take care of yourself, quote unquote, mm -hmm. you're eating, quote unquote, right versus wrong, you know, um, you're uh, moving versus not moving, um, those kinds of concepts. Um, and I think we need to think about that, of what does that actually look like in our practice? because as therapists, sometimes we think we're trying to enact these values that are challenging fat oppression, but in actuality, they're perpetuating. 
because mm-hmm. we haven't really looked at our own values and our own ethics and our own biases that mm-hmm. we have. So if, if like, you know, often I think about an example of this would be often you hear, you know, someone struggling with depression. What's the go-to quick fix that folks talk about? Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do we hear that as that being the first thing that we do? There's a few problems with that um, idea, assuming that that's accessible to everyone, but also how is going for a walk the only solution we're looking at for depression? And so really starting to think, I think about what is the context in which we live in? Mm. What are the other systems that are impacting us, including that oppression, of course, But why is it that we continue to locate problems within people? You are depressed because you are not walking enough. You know, Mm -hmm. what are the other things that are going on in this person's life that depression has become a response to those things that are going on in it? Um, And I'm not negating that walking or movement isn't helpful to people at all, but I just find it alarming that that is our go-to. That is a quick piece that we go to right away. You know, studies have shown walking helps. And yet that might not be possible for some folks. And that might not be something that some folks want to do. So how can we get creative and look at other ways of doing some of those kind of coping or resourcing, and then also start to look at the work that we do and the ways that we identify problems and locate problems as outside of individuals as well. Definitely. That really sounds like instead of looking at it as the individual is to blame or kind of the individual centered, it's kind of looking at, you know, what else is impacting that kind of outside of the control instead. That's so interesting. I guess I hadn't really thought about that that way. And thank you. That was so much knowledge you just gave. I think you said a couple of terms there that I actually have not heard. I think you were talking about the difference between good fatty and bad fatty. And I'm I'm wondering if you could explain that a little bit more. Well, I guess like the thing is, um, sometimes in these spaces, uh, what we want to encourage fat folks to do is become good fatties. Um, And in that meaning, like you're taking care of your health. And I Mm -hmm. say that with quotes around it. Um, And what that usually looks like, oh, you quote unquote exercise. You try to eat well. And those are the two pieces that tend to happen as like, in my experience, as as are quantifiable as good fatty you're you're usually you're big but you do these things right like mm-hmm. uh, it, it's okay versus someone you know often the judgments that come up for a fat person if they're eating a brownie or something that's like you know seen as like unhealthy food right mm-hmm. um versus if they're eating a quote-unquote salad which is seen as a healthy food item right if they're um uh, you know, going and exercising the amount of times, um, myself or other fat folks will say like random people will say, go way to go. Like cheering you on as if like, that's something that's supposed to be enduring or supportive because you're a fat person deciding to go do something that's more physical, you know, like these are the kinds of pieces that happen often, um, in our everyday basis. When we think it's, um, supporting health at every size. It's supporting being more inclusive to fat folks. But I guess it's really not. You're still kind of putting those judgments on. Yes, exactly. And that's the issue, right? The Mm. issue is that why do other people have choice and autonomy over what happens with your body or with my body? You know, I should have that a choice and autonomy of what I decide to do, regardless of judgment. Everyone is worth dignity and respect, regardless Mm. of what they, who they are or what they do, you know? Mm. Um, I just think about like, 
if so, if I, if like, for instance, um, someone wasn't able to access like movement or eat quote unquote healthy food, which I don't think there's like this binary that exists anyways. Um, does that mean that they don't get access to healthcare? They don't get access to support. They don't get access to dignity and respect just because mm -hmm. how are we to decide what is worth of dignity and respect to and, and choice and autonomy? So I, I think about these pieces. There are folks um, that we serve where health in the ways that we define it aren't the ways that they want to approach it. And this is where I think we really need to look at what our definitions of health are as therapists. What are our biases around that? You know, health entails so many different things outside of your, like, health doesn't even, I think, include weight, but often that's what we define it as. We look at someone and say, they look like a healthy person. What does that mean? Versus thinking about health outside of like physicality. We think about health in mental health, emotional health, relational health, spiritual health, sexual health, mm -hmm. financial health, like all of these other realms that are part of people's, um, you know, ways of defining health. And it doesn't mean you have to encompass all of those things. There might be some parts that are important to people, some other parts not. And maybe there's something that I haven't even thought about right now that's important to folks. You know, like really, really being open to the idea of everyone doesn't have to define it the way that I do. And as we know, things change over time in our life. Certain things become more important versus other things. And so why are we not able to kind of walk alongside folks with that? Totally. So it's kind of taking this concept of sizeism then and like really breaking it down into the components of anti-fat and then looking at individual kind of definitions and values and kind of assessing what that puts back onto people definitions and binaries that we think are right and again another binary right i as a therapist think this is correct mm. and we have to be very cautious about that Mm -hmm. of when we decide what is the right way of doing health. And I think that's what usually goes unchallenged in mm -hmm. even like training programs or master's level programs is sometimes this idea of what do I actually think is healthy and why do I think that I, I need to put that on other people? Counseling is all about mental health and well-being based on this premise around health. Why are we not looking at that? Yeah. Why are we not exploring that? It should start there. Yeah, that's such a good point. And yeah, I think that just brings me back to that feeling that I was having of why isn't this being talked about in this space where I'm looking at health at school and it just still seems so invisible. Talking about how health at every size and kind of anti-fat kind of bias and rhetoric kind of in intersect. What about the other end, which I kind of picture as almost like healthism? What do you think about healthism and health at every size and the inter intersection there? Yeah, I think that it's so hard to like, again, that's where I think the pieces around what is health, all of that stuff comes into play. Mm -hmm. I also think that there's like in, in our spaces, in some, in, in like counseling, there is um, an overemphasis on health mm -hmm. and the valuing of health, um, which can be kind of, I, I remember hearing that and thinking about that first time and then going, hmm, well, don't we want to be pursuing health? Mm -hmm. And then thinking, wait a second, who am I to tell someone that that's what they need to be pursuing? And so it, it kind of sit with that a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? I also think that, again, the issue that I have with um, these ideas around what healthy is, 
is there's a marker that people are trying to obtain. And it's like all of these things that you need to be doing and doing well on to be seen as a healthy person. Mm-hmm. And it's stuck on this binary. It's not on a spectrum. And like on a spectrum in all sorts of different areas, right? Like let's like make this really messy, but it's not. It's tried to put everything in a little that tiny box and saying you need to be, you know, doing this, doing that, looking like this, and then therefore you are healthy. In particular, in so-called like lower mainland Vancouver, the ideas of health are very, very clearly defined, right? Mm -hmm. And you can feel it in the Mm -hmm. air, right? (laughs) And so there's a huge culture around the overvaluing of that type of quote-unquote healthy lifestyle, um, which really uh, puts a lot of folks who can access that because it is costly, not only costly, it's also not accessible for all folks. Um, and if you can't measure up, then you are unhealthy. And then what does it mean to be unhealthy? And this is where a lot of biases start to come up where people think unhealthy people or fat people are lazy, unintelligent, have no motivation, are less skilled. And what does that end up doing in relation to other experiences outside of healthcare too? It really shifts um, how people see people, fat people out in the world, you know, and the opportunities that they get and the access they get to other things. So I, I think about like on that larger scale, the other thing is like, you know, you mentioned earlier the class that we did together and on intersectionality mm-hmm. basically. And, you know, I want to be very clear. I'm not an expert on all of this stuff, mm-hmm. obviously, and I'm not an expert on Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have some lived experience, work with people, you know, mm-hmm. who are fat and um, also in all other different shapes and sizes, I say mm-hmm. smilingly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but um, one of the things that I think about is all of this intersects with one another. So when we're talking about fat oppression, we have to talk about anti-Black racism because it's rooted in that. We have to be able to talk about, um, you know, ableism, classism, sexism, all of, a lot of these is, isms and uh, systems of oppression, which we sometimes don't. And we just make it secular as this is the one thing that we're trying to kind of navigate. But being a fat person in different kinds of bodies and identities, the experience is very different. And sometimes it's liberatory. For some people, being fat is a very liberatory experience too. It's not always a negative thing. That's so important that you bring up all the different kind of identities and systems of oppression because I was uh, leading into kind of asking you, how do you think Hayes deals or do they not deal with the intersection of those identities and how do they approach diversity and inclusion kind of in that area? Well, I think um, if I'm, again, like I said, I'm not an expert on Hayes Mm -hmm. and um, I think there is this piece around wanting to uh, I was thinking about their values a little bit, but like really wanting to to look at those pieces and name those pieces. I'm not 100% sure of how much they, they talk about it, right? Like how much it's embedded mm-hmm. in the practice. Um, and so this is part of the, the thing that I am curious about what they're going to do next. Um, hopefully that will invite that. But I do know that a lot of the folks that I've worked with and the folks that do some activism or political work around um, fat inclusion, they are talking about these things. You know, they are talking about um, how do these intersections really impact folks, right? 
And a colonialism is another one. And a capitalism is another big one, right? Like those are big, really big pieces to kind of think about and, and then, um, to consider around how does all of this um, intersect? And I think these um, could be doing a better job of that. I'm wondering, this is putting you a bit on the spot. So if not, that's really okay. But how do you think in some like granular ways that that could be happening? Well, like, uh, again, I want to be very clear. I'm not an expert on it. So who mm -hmm. knows? They might be doing it and not be, might not be aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I would love to see more literature or more values embedding some of that. Um, looking at um, how can they incorporate that more into uh, their website or their, mm -hmm. the pieces that they publish or who are the authors of folks who are publishing and naming these pieces? What are their identities and how can we have um, more inclusion around some of those pieces, right? So that's the kinds of things that I would, I would want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and again, maybe it's just the things that I've come across that aren't bad. That's my hope in general, not even for Hayes in general. I'd like to see more of that happening. I do kind of notice when you're talking about one ism, it almost like really sticks to that one ism and like nothing else is kind of brought in and it does feel very like compartmentalized and kind of separate to others. So I guess um, kind of what I'm hearing from you is a little bit more of like blending of all those things. And even if you are kind of focusing on activism in one way, you can still be like incorporating activism in other ways. Or else what ends up happening is like how we understand um, oppression to work is if we um, only look at one thing, it continues to exist because it's all intersecting, right? That's the whole concept of intersectionality. We mm -hmm. cannot just look at one thing or the other. We have to and are required to look at all of these things at the same time. And mm -hmm. yes, it seems sometimes overwhelming, of course, <laughs> right? Like, and, and slowly kind of, this is why I say I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still figuring this out. And I think mm -hmm. this is going to be a lifelong journey. Um, but I think we do need to incorporate all of it. You know, I think about myself, if I just use myself as an example, as a like South Asian small fat person and a woman, that experience is going to be very different for even a South Asian man, you mm -hmm. know, as a small fat person and kind of thinking about those differences. We need to be able to talk about that. How does like my socialization show up? And I think about the ways that in particular women are already told to be small and almost invisible. And um, to hide themselves in, in the sense of like, to be as small as you can, we aspire to be a zero, right? A size zero. And so um, thinking about that piece, not that men don't go through that either, that there's mm -hmm. now shifts and changes and folks and, and non-binary and trans folks to feel more uh, okay with their bodies, mm -hmm. uh, more satisfied with their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. um, or feel more aligned, you know? Um, and so I'm thinking about like, and so for some folks, it's not, it does the opposite and, mm -hmm. or something in the middle. It's like, so, so it's very messy to kind of start to think about how does gender impact your um, experience of fat oppression? How does it, what does it mean? If you keep everything else same, how does gender impact it? And then you think about um, the ways that ethnicity uh, impacts that as well. So I'm, I'm thinking about those pieces, I guess, right? Like, we have to talk about that because I'm not just a fat person. I'm all of these other things. No one ever experienced it. You don't look at me and just see me as a fat person. You might, but like, you know, but there's all these other things that you notice about me too, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same things like Kimberly, Kimberly Crenshaw spoke about, right? She's not just a black person or just a woman. She's a black woman, you know? Um, and that's how she is experienced in the world. 
And um, that's how she is um, experiencing the world as well, right? Not only she's experienced by that, but that's how she's experiencing it. And so really thinking about why are we not including that stuff as part of our understanding of what that means Mm -hmm. to be a fat person. Sounds like that first step in kind of talking about inclusion and acceptance is taking an individualistic approach and looking at somebody in their whole. I'm kind of wondering how that can be done in healthcare settings. And maybe in particular, you can speak to a therapist setting. Um, That's actually a really good, good question. I think, you know, one of the things that I think about is often in therapy, we don't talk about identities. We don't talk about context enough. Um, And I think that's where, for me, all of it lies. And, you know, um, often I'll talk about my identities and who I am as a person, because as much as we try to not put our own values or ethics on other people, I am also bringing myself to the work. And I think it's important for folks to know who I am and not make assumptions either. And so we can we can talk about it and invite other folks, the folks that I'm working with to do the same if they want. Um, And then that gives me a lot of information as well. Like, what are the identities that are important to folks? What are the um, pieces that um, they want to talk about or don't want to talk about? And of course, everything is consent based, right? Like we can chat about what we want to chat about. But when I think about like, you know, struggles like um, body image, depression, disordered eating, I think you were talking about earlier, anything. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I want to talk about is where do these, um, and, and some of it comes from like narrative therapy as well, but like, where do these ideas or messages of how we should be or look like come from? And if it came from a parent or a family member, where do you think they learned it from? Um, and who are the people who are challenging some of these ideas or narratives? And um, how can we have be more connection with them, of course, to kind of build connection and community? But we really need to look at the constructs of these things and deconstruct them a little bit, really to have an understanding. And I think about that in in relation to all of it, right? So like if we're talking about, um, you know, uh, depression, sometimes identities around gender, sexuality, race, all of these things, size play a huge role in how the messaging has been that you don't measure up Mm -hmm. or you're not good enough or all of these kinds of ideas that exist out there. And if we don't talk about it, then it gets, like I said, located into the person, right? So um, part of it is just asking more questions before we start to kind of collaborate on quote unquote a goal or a Mm -hmm. treatment plan, really starting to kind of pull that apart. The amount of times I've had um, sessions where folks will come in and say, I just need to lose some weight and I'll be happier. So my goal in therapy is to lose weight. And I'm like, okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. And I am very clear about my values, right? Like I'm, I'm a small fat person myself. And like, um, I am someone who does look and explore fat oppression and anti-fatness and in, in some of the stuff. And so folks aren't surprised when we we start to explore these things because it's all based on consent and they're willing to kind of chat with me on that. Mm-hmm. And so we start to explore that and, mm-hmm. and, and figure out, wait a second, what is it that I'm looking for in this? Who has told me this? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel better when I'm in a smaller body? Do I feel better 
or is it people treating me different um, and with more respect and dignity, right? Like what's going and and they may still decide that's the that's the that's the goal they want to have for therapy, and, and that's completely their choice and autonomy. But what I want to do is make sure we give have all the information on the table, so to speak, so folks can make informed decisions. And I think that's what I think about is autonomy and choice, where we um, speak about the invisible, make it more visible, so then folks can actually make true choices rather than follow the path that's kind of invisibilized, right? Like this is how, what you need to do or how you need to do it. I think about like, you know, if growing up, all you heard was you are not good enough from a whole bunch of different places in the world, explicitly and explicitly. Wouldn't you feel shitty about yourself? I'm sorry for using that language, but like, you know, wouldn't you feel um, like you have lower self-esteem, quote unquote, you know? It's a thing that we've been receiving every single day. How can it not impact us? And of course, I'm not saying it impacts everyone the same way. Of course not. There's some folks who, who have different responses, but I can understand someone believing that. And so one of the things that I think about is like, how are we defining the problems that exist in people? Mm-hmm. You know, like we look at sometimes cognitive distortions or, you know, those kinds of pieces. But where do those come from and how are those built? Mm-hmm. What were they responses to? Um, Adler kind of has this idea around, you know, every behavior has a purpose. And I do believe that mm-hmm. everything that we do has a purpose. So let's get curious about that. Definitely. And I think like kind of what you were saying, like somebody coming in for, you know, depression or anxiety or anger or kind of any struggles with mood or, you know, mental struggles. You're right. Like their lived experience and their context would totally probably impact how they're experiencing that now. So it is probably something that needs to be considered within the therapy room and for the therapist. And again, I, I'm, I'm very mindful of like, there's some folks who may not want to do that. And that's mm-hmm. okay too. Again, for me, autonomy and choice is really uh, the big piece. I don't want to put, you know, this is how therapy should happen on each and every person that's come, wanting to work with me. But a part of it is, is that I'm not neutral. I'm not neutral about race. I'm not neutral about fatness. I'm not neutral about all of these things. Mm. And I think it's important for folks to know and people do know, um, you know, through my website or through, you know, consultations or through just kind of getting to know my work that Mm. I am going to speak about these things and I'm going to name them um, Mm. if we're comfortable to explore them together. I know in this conversation, we've been talking a lot about, you know, identities and how it's really important to not just think about, you know, sizeism and size. And I guess that's kind of the one component that I'm, I am focusing on with this podcast. So I've really enjoyed that you've brought in other components and that we need to, you know, also think about that. Um, if we were to just think about size or just take that, um, one component into consideration, how are some ways that, um, we might make maybe a more like kind of welcoming and inclusive, like environment in the therapy space? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm thinking about just simply the space, the actual physical space of counseling or the, the, um, office or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think about like making sure that the, the chairs, the, um, seating arrangement, all of that kind of stuff is able to make uh, fat bodies also feel comfortable. Ha- making sure your counseling space is more accessible, 
um, I think about like, I guess one of the things I'm reminded of is I remember like buying couches or um, furniture for mm. my office and thinking, hmm, you know, what's the weight limit on this? Um, I'm a small fat person, but what if there was um, someone who was fatter than me? Would they feel comfortable in this space? Um, I also think about sometimes height as well in that, in relation to that, like what mm. would be comfortable to them? Um, instead of having restrictive spaces uh, that work for only a certain type of body and a certain type of body size, I also think about how do we interact with clients um, on an everyday basis. I've had moments with like folks in, um, sh- like I have a, a practice where there's other therapists around, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll hear them like you know to share with me how the weekend is going. Oh yeah. Um, I exercised today so I can have this bagel or I did this and I can do this now. All of these like uh, fat phobic or anti-fat rhetoric, right? Like that really demonstrates also to our clients what, you know, is okay or not okay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so really thinking about that too, of mm-hmm. how do we talk to, how do we have our small talk clients? What are the things that we're talking about? What are the things that we are um, supporting without knowing, um, and, and thinking about that piece. The other thing I think about is like really starting to remove language, certain kinds of language in our work, um, like calling, you know, certain food healthy and unhealthy, Mm -hmm. um, and certain kinds of movements, uh, good or bad, or like, uh, you know, sometimes I joke around breathing is movement enough, you know, um, and sometimes breath work does so much stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about things outside of this kind of idea of what it means to be healthy, what it means to be a fat person who should be um, moving towards health. And I, I think about all of those things. So those are like the small types of things that we can do. But I truly believe um, it has to start with ourselves. We really need to explore ourselves as therapists mm-hmm. of what are some of the things that we are holding on to and be really truth like honest and vulnerable with ourselves we all at some point or another have either believed in some sort of fat oppressive kind of violent stuff mm-hmm. and or maybe you're still enacting it and i think about that myself i might be still enacting some stuff that i'm not aware of but mm-hmm. i still need to continue to engage with this stuff to try to see what that might be and to explore that and figure it out. And I think about like, there's some accountability stuff that we can obviously do, but we really need to start with ourselves. Sounds like that self-reflection um, and that continued self-reflection piece is really important. And accountability. Like, how do we unlearn it? Not just become aware of it, of it and unlearn it, but also how do we become accountable to doing that work? Yeah. And you were kind of just talking about yourself within your kind of professional environment with other therapists. And this leads me to my last couple of questions, but what are some ways that professionals or other therapists can start to incorporate a health at every size kind of framework or model into their practice? Well, I think one of the things again would be to, to look at what hazes or the values of haze are mm-hmm. um, to really start to do some work and build some knowledge understand Mm -hmm. some of these systems that are impacting people but then like when we were talking about like to me it comes back to this idea around health right how do we define health how do we understand health thinking about it outside of our bodies thinking about it within our bodies that doesn't always include movement thinking Mm -hmm. about it in ways where um 
what are the things that resource us, us versus what is healthy for what is not healthy. I've had folks who do things that are quote unquote seen as unhealthy, but they have been quite healthy for them, so to speak, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's helped them get through things. It's helped them navigate things, but not everyone's going to see the benefit of that. I think about the ways that we talk about food um, as well is really important. Um, uh, in that, like, again, welcoming people to eat in a way that works for them mm-hmm. and supporting them to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think about food and pleasure sometimes for some folks is really important. Um, obviously, we want to be able to, you know, pay attention to hunger cues and all those kinds of things. But sometimes it's just enough to enjoy something as a valid enough thing. And so really starting to kind of explore these ideas around, in particular, that I've noticed is around food and movement, and then understanding really the experiences of fat folks. Mm -hmm. What does it actually look like to be a fat person in this world that Mm -hmm. go beyond just healthcare? What is it like to be a fat person trying to access housing, you know, um, access a job, employment, access um uh travel um go shopping eat in public all of these things like there's so many experiences because once we have an understanding of that we we can have a better grasp of not using what people call like microaggressions and saying oh it's all in your head or you know these kinds of things be able to name things as they actually are and not minimize, patronize, or invisibilize people's experiences. That sounds like continued exploration and communication with others to like foster kind of learning and always growing in that area. And like really being open to doing things differently mm-hmm. than what we're taught. And that's the thing, right? Like we aren't taught about a lot of different ways of healing or um, work that is outside of talk therapy or movement in particular ways, or how do we have conversations about disordered eating that doesn't um, uh, minimize fat people's experiences of disordered eating, right? Because often it gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so like all of these things, why does it get overlooked? Because we have this understanding of a fat person can't be anorexic. And therefore, I'm not going to take this as serious. Like, I'm not even going to ask the questions. I'm not even going to explore that. Mm-hmm. And not that I like labels anyways, but I'm just, you know, giving an example of like mm-hmm. how this can show up in an everyday basis. So we really, really, to me, it starts a lot with like understanding yourself, of course, but really understanding also fat people's experiences. And wanting to learn more about that and, you know, advocating for that as well. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Um, that was my last question. and. You just gave so much information for that. So I really appreciate all the knowledge that you've shared today and, you know, your stance and experience and opinion on um, this topic. I feel like I learned more than just haze, but that really brought in a component of, you know, sizeism and anti-fatness and to go even beyond size, but intersectionality and how lots of aspects or every aspect of an individual is important and um, should be acknowledged. So I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me today. No, thank you for inviting me here and being open to like having this messy conversation. Thank you. It's been amazing chatting. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And I hope this was informative and helped you learn more about health at every size. Stay tuned for our next episode where we hear from a naturopathic doctor. 